I have to say that again. Start over. Sorry. <laughs> they gave me morphine yesterday. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't I've need it. I've had that it. before. Yeah. I didn't need it. And they're like, this final shot's morphine. I'm like, why? Huh? <laughs> I said, I don't need it. All right. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am pleased to welcome back great friend of the show, gentleman that's been on here more times than I can even keep up with now, but it's been a while. Adam Risky, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dana? I'm good, man. So glad that you're back on here. Just before we started recording, I was just kind of looking at, oh, let's see, when's the last time you were on here? I can't believe it's been over a year. It was July of last year. It's been a while. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just, you know, we, we constantly communicate via via Twitter and other ways. So I just mm-hmm. always feel like, oh, yeah, no, he's been on the show like a month ago. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So for the listeners, let's bring uh, let's bring them up to speed on what you've been doing. You're still, of course, very active as a main contributor to F This Movie. Uh, so tell me a little bit about how that's been going and how the past year has been for you so far. Uh, yeah, so F This Movie's been good. I'm approaching my 10th uh, year on the site. Um, so I've been keeping up just with, you know, podcasts every once in a while and then um, articles each week. Um, The newest thing is since the last time I was on the show, um, my friend Rob and I used to write together a weekly column and we have since changed it to a YouTube video series. Um, So it's been interesting because it's like I'm getting more comfortable being on camera, which I was not before. And we're kind of, you know, just as we were as a written column, trying to figure out like what the right kind of recipe is for like topics. So sometimes it's funny. We'll do a series where it's like, let's talk about all the Highlander movies. And then we'll watch Highlander one, two and three. And then we're just like, this is so much fun. We should have, we should do series all the time. And then we get to Highlander four and we're like, this was a mistake. We should. I can't wait for this series to be over. I want to be free to talk about other things other than Highlander, but you're like pot committed. So right now um, we were like, let's do we, me and uh, Rob and then Patrick from F this movie. We're like big fans of Kristen Stewart. And we're just like, let's do a series called summer of stew. And we got like two reviews in and I'm just like, I don't want to do Snow White and the Huntsman, but I'm we're committed and we have to do it. And then I post it and it's like one of the best watched, uh, like in terms of views, YouTube videos. And I'm baffled. And then um, we did a show for our F This Movie Fest week back in March where we were celebrating 1996 movies. So. Rob and I were like, let's do a Van Damme double feature because he had Maximum Risk and The Quest that year. And for some reason, it's like by far our most watched video. So then we were like, well, we should do another Van Damme double feature. So during June, we did two Van Damme DTV video uh, movies, and it's our worst watched video. And I'm just like, I don't understand anything. I'm not chasing clicks anymore. So... It's been fun. And then outside of F this movie stuff, um, I've sort of lost my zeal, I guess, for a lot of new releases in theaters or just on streaming. I think 
it's getting to me that there's not really like a monoculture anymore that like a lot of movies come out, but a lot of movies sort of like are so ephemeral. It's like they don't really exist. So a lot of times I'm just like, do I really need to watch this? Because am I ever going to have a conversation about this movie with anyone? And sometimes it's like you could like, like a Netflix movie, like, like spider head or something like that. I'm just like, no one's going to remember this in a week. Like, I don't need to watch this or it was just crazy. Cause I used to try to keep up with everything, but um, I'm finding a lot of enjoyment in watching older movies and, and uh, movies from like the seventies or the eighties and things like I, I that are blind spots for me and making a concerted effort to, to finally see those have been, have been enjoyable. That's been a really big deal for me. Like I have, uh, I share very similar thoughts with you regarding the current state of cinema. I'm just, I'm, you know, like there's a few, few gems that come out every once in a while. They're few and far between, but for the most part, you know, I am, I'm a consumer of seventies, eighties and nineties cinema. And then, yeah. you know, I find myself reaching out to like my friend, Phil Joano, who's, you know, 10, 11 years older than me. And I ask him, you know, what's your definitive list of of movies I need to check out from that time period? And he sends me a a spreadsheet of a hundred movies, and he just mm-hmm. says, "All right, now just mark off the ones you haven't seen." And I submitted the list back to him. There was like forty I hadn't seen. He's like, "I'm ashamed of you. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> you need to get through this and report back to me." So I understand exactly what you mean by you know, kind of going back. And it's it's sad that we we have to we have to spend all our time in the past. It seems like. It does. It's a little bit of a, it feels like a little bit of a lost art now where the people, and I don't want to paint in broad strokes, but maybe it's money or the time that they get to make things. I think that's probably more or less what it is, but a lot of it just seems like lower than TV quality of like the nineties and the two thousands, like just in terms of like, presentation and craft even um let alone just you know the story tell the story is being derivative like one thing that bugs me about current movies like with all of the prequels and sidequels and things like that or like spinoffs and things like that like movie series don't feel like they mean anything anymore like when we were growing up it's like you know star wars trilogy and it's just like you have this this franchise in in your mind and it's like this circle or this square or something like that. But like everything fits in the circle or the square. And like now it's this such, it's such like this amorphous kind of blob of stuff where everything feels like disconnected and it doesn't feel like a cohesive, like franchise with an identity anymore. And it's a, it's a bummer. Like it's some, it's at the point where, you know, whether it be Star Wars or Marvel or like there's a number of other series where it's like you can tap out at any time. It's like it doesn't really matter like when you start or stop watching it because it's going to go on forever. So like you decide it's almost like choose your own adventure type of thing. Yeah. And it, it's become abundantly clear. And I, I don't want to go down this Marvel train because everybody knows my thoughts on it. Yeah. But. Even I as I won't even say the casual Marvel fan because I'm not, but even yeah. I as the as an observer can say that, you know, Marvel is not as big as it was three years ago. 
I mean, it, oh. it it's it's so convoluted, it's so diluted now that yeah. you know everyone's just kind of like you said they're they're on board or they've gotten off it, you know. And, and another thing you said that kind of resonates with me when you look at these Netflix movies, I I compare that to just assembly or factory assembly line making of films. Like they all have sure. the same look to them, you know, Spiderhead, uh, the Gray Man. Uh, mm-hmm. extraction. I mean, they all kind of have this glossy look to them, you know, and, and they're completely forgotten. I mean, completely yeah. forgotten. It's, it's I insane. heard that, um, yeah, in terms of the look, I heard uh, recently on another show that um, they have like specific mandates for lighting and things like that because they want it to look good on phones. Like that's <laughs> why they look like that. Like they look oversaturated or too bright yeah. or things like that. And like, like I was watching the trailer for like Wednesday, that Adam's family show that Tim Burton's involved with. And I'm just like, this is too bright. Like, this, this looks like I'm walking through a party city and like you, they, there's like no filmic quality to it, to like the cinematography and things like that. I, I, I do think like, you know, if I'm looking back when I mention you know, like a certain craft element is gone. I I don't understand why the industry as a whole just so jumps on digital photography when we clearly can see that like shooting on film just looks better. And even if you digitally convert it, it still looks better like than if you shot a digital and then have it be a digital presentation. Like it just immediately looks almost date more dated even though it's more modern it's yeah. very strange it's it, it really is and i think we could spend hours going down this road but yeah. there there is one thing i want to bring up and I, i'm sorry I'm, I'm not trying to blindside you with this one but it just popped okay. in, it popped in my mind sure because uh it's a, a trailer that came out a few weeks ago that i have probably seen 50 times and i'm not exaggerating <laughs> Wow, which one? It's the Monsters trailer, the Rob Zombies trailer yeah. for the Monsters. I, I'm f- utterly fascinated by this trailer. I am beyond fascinated. Yeah. You know, there there's rumors swirling around that this is a forty million dollar production. I don't believe that because if this is an offshoot of Universal, it's their yeah. you know second tier where they make sequels like American Pie, Bandcamp, and stuff like that, and. Most of these movies have a $5 million budget max. So this, this you know, PR piece going around, this is a $40 million film. I don't buy that for a second. And that mm-hmm. was before, even before I saw the trailer. You know, there are people calling this the worst trailer ever made on a, just from a technical standpoint, the audio yep. being completely off and just the, 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 the wonky colors. But bizarrely, Adam, I will watch this movie the first day it comes out. So I'm wondering if this is all just... By design by Rob Zombie, because the movie does not look good to me, but I have to see it. So whatever marketing they've used, it's worked on me. Yeah, I I don't think that he deliberately commissioned or made himself a horrible trailer, like almost as like a Tom Green experiment where like to get people more interested in the movie, because like I think that movie between the monsters and it coming out around Halloween and rob zombies fan base which i'm one of them um there's pockets enough that no matter what the movie looked like would watch the movie um 
but yeah, that trailer is like when I saw it, I was like you, where I watched it multiple times that day because it was like they were teaching you a new trailer language. Like it resembled no trailer I had ever seen in terms of pacing or as you mentioned, like voiceovers or edits or just the way that it looked or like the cryon like work key art that they were using. It was very bizarre. And, um, you know, I've heard it described as it looked like a six flags fright fest ad. It looked like a Halloween mug root beer ad from the nineties. It looked like a Fox sitcom from the nineties. And yeah, it's, uh, it definitely feels like an Elvira beer commercial. Yeah, and it's but it, I am curious about it because you know, we've been with Rob Zombie as a filmmaker since like the early 2000s and he's never made a movie that's ostensibly for families and like I met a couple of the actors who are in the movie when I was at a convention earlier this month um and I asked the guy Jeff Daniel Phillips who plays Herman Munster I was I was curious I'm just like I can't tell from what I've seen, like, what is the tone of the movie? Like, is it basically like a faithful recapturing of the the spirit of a monsters TV episode? Or is it like a Brady Bunch movie type of thing where like it's modern and you're kind of looking at it through that lens and it's more satirical and things like that. And he's just like, no, it's very like earnest and faithful and sincere and everything like that. And if they're able to succeed with having you know, kind of like a fun, you know, hard on its sleeve type of monsters. Uh, I think it could be like a surprise in the same way, like Hubie Halloween was a surprise where it's like, wow, this is kind of fun and funny. And it's like not terrible. And I'm shocked because it's a Netflix Sandler movie. But um, we'll see. I don't know. I don't have high hopes for it, but um, I'm very curious. Uh, It's one of the movies I'm most curious about this year. There, there are some uh, people on YouTube have that have made black and white versions of the trailer, which yeah. I will openly admit I think look better. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if there's a decision. I'm, I, I mean, I don't know if we're way past this because the film comes out in six weeks based on yeah. when we're recording now. But, uh, you know, a black and white version might might suit that film a little bit better, especially if, like you said, they want to be more akin to the original product. Yeah, there's a... Um... Rob on F this movie, he like speculated that, you know, maybe they shot it in black and white or like for black and white. And then they made a conscious choice later where they're just like, okay, we like can't release it this way. We have to release it in color to appease more fans. But um, it does look significantly better in the clips in the trailer that are black and white yeah. than the ones that are in color. Uh, you mentioned you talked to him at a con. Which convention was this? I'd love to hear a little bit more about your adventures there. Sure, yeah. Um, I uh, go every year to a convention in uh, the Chicagoland area called Flashback Weekend. Um, I've been going pretty much yearly since 2005. And um, it's now just kind of like a hangout. It's sort of different for me like than other conventions where I'm more there because I have like a specific you know, one or two or three people that are celebrities that I would like to get like a signature from or meets and stuff like that. This one's more like I just kind of like bumping into friends and walking around and things like that and attending panels and and whatnot. Um, So this year was my 
uh, a year where um, I had the worst luck that I think I've ever had at this convention because after avoiding it for two years and four months, I got COVID from this convention. So that <laughs> no, was a nice, no. that was a nice keepsake. So I got, I, I bought some shirts, I bought some Blu-rays, I got some autographs. Um, I bought some magazines. I bought a pillow that I used to nurse myself during the COVID that I got at the convention. <laughs> One of the actors I met uh, is Richard Brake, who um, is in the Munsters, but he's also in a lot of Rob Zombie films and like, he was in Batman Begins. He was the guy who killed Bruce's parents. So okay. um, I have him on a list of the top actors I'm most afraid of, like that I would not want to meet in a dark alley. And um, I was petrified of meeting Richard Brake. So I met him and um, he was very nice. But also now I'm just like super convinced that he is the one who gave me COVID. Oh, no. Because... <laughs> Like, I have to blame somebody. <laughs> so I'm blaming Richard Brake. But, uh, yeah, it was funny because with my friends, like, they were like, you were visibly shaking in line. And I'm just like, yeah, I wanted to get out of there. Like, I didn't know why I was going through this. That's... So. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're okay. I'm, I'm glad, you know, uh, you know, yeah. you know, we're always having a lighthearted conversation, but you know, I'm, I'm sorry that you got COVID. I've had it a couple times and I'm, yeah. I'm glad you came out, came out. Okay. On that. So I did. Yeah. Thank um, you. Now from what I recall with flashbacks, flashback weekends, there is always seems to be a conversation somewhere. I know I listened to you on F this movie with Patrick and the subject mm -hmm. of Robert England comes up all the time. <laughs> Um, sure. I believe yeah, there was one story. Yeah, he's there many years. Yeah. yeah. I believe there was one story where you saw him at a restaurant and mm -hmm. you guys want discussion about whether or not you were going to pick up his tab and you weren't sure about because of the wine he was drinking. I don't remember yeah. exactly. It was I've a seen years. him multiple times at restaurants, at conventions. Like I've seen him eating more times than I've seen like friends of mine eating. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> was he there this year and did you get a chance to see him? He was there this year. Um, they were doing a weird thing with his line where if you wanted to meet him, um, priority was given to people who had like the ultimate package, which was like about $150 more for your weekend pass than it would be if you didn't have the ultimate. Um, and that sold out really quickly. Then after that, they were giving out like sort of a it was sort of like a raffle system where they were giving out like blue tickets and like you had to line up super early, like Comic-Con style. And I got there like an hour early one day and I was like, I'll try. But then after I got shut out on Friday, I was kind of more like I could either experience the convention or be at the behest of Robert England's line rules. <laughs> and I decided not to do that. Um, I saw one of his, uh, one of his panels and it was, it was pretty interesting. Although the people moderating it, like there's sort of an art to moderating like a panel at a horror convention. You kind of need to like, know, you know, like stick with the hits ask questions about if it's Robert England, ask questions about nightmare on Elm street, things like that. Like you have a limited amount of time. Like don't turn this into like your, you know, career interview or like the thing that like most specifically interests you, like keep it for the masses and the people doing like the, 
moderating for this one were just like, tell me about your your working as an actor in the 70s and like, tell me about this. And they're like setting up clips to like the movie Stay Hungry, I think, with like him and Jeff Bridges. And then like we had to watch the clip of it. And like he's it was weird. And um, he he did have an anecdote in there that was pretty funny um, where he was talking about uh, um, his decision to stick in like the sci-fi and horror genres primarily and he used it as kind of a counterpoint to like why he doesn't do comedy and he was saying that he he knows what genres travel better internationally and if you're trying to be you know a working actor but like a successful working actor then like you're expanding your global market if you stick to you know ones that can be understood whether you're in lithuania or the united states or you know, yeah. Mexico, or it doesn't matter. So um, he said, just kind of off the cuff, he's like, you know, they don't even know who Jay Leno is in Portugal. And this woman behind me goes, oh, wow. <laughs> she was like, those poor Brazilians, like, they don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't know who Jay Leno is. It's like, what a loss for their culture. And it was just so funny to me, because she like, and it wasn't even, it was like spontaneous. It's like, like if you were to gasp when somebody startles you, she was just like, "No." <laughs> but Robert England knows the stick. He knows the game real well. He's great at like he's one of the best storytellers I've ever heard. Like just you know of actors. So um, and he can talk about anything. Like he seems to be one of those guys who has like at least a little bit of knowledge about like almost any topic. So listening to him is, is a pleasure. That's one of the reasons why, even though I've met him before and gotten his autograph, I would have liked to have, you know, gotten something else signed because you're almost paying for the story. Cause yeah. like he'll, depending on like, you know, what shirt you're wearing or like what, you know, tattoo you have on your arm or what poster you give him to sign and everything like that. He kind of like, is really good at figuring out, you know, what story can I tell this person that they'll be uniquely interested in? Like the one time I met him, I don't know how it got brought up, but he was talking to me about like working on the movie Meet the Deedles and how um, when he was working on it, like AJ Langer from like My So-Called Life and the people under the stairs had like a massive diehard crush on Paul Walker and how like she was going up to Robert England to play matchmaker and stuff. And I'm just like, this should be a movie. Like why? Like, or at least like a TV episode. Like I want to see the Robert England matchmaker. episode. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, was there uh was there any other uh, Elm street alumni at this, uh, at this one? Yeah. Um, it was, a. uh, they had uh, Heather Langenkamp and Amanda Wiss um, from the original. Um, and then they had a bunch of people from the fourth one. So they had uh, like Workout Girl and Asthma Girl and um, uh, Lisa Wilcox, who plays, um, God, what's her name? Alice. What's her name? Alice, <laughs> Alice thank yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, Alice, um, who I've met before, is very nice. She was like, it was kind of funny, though, because every once in a while when you go to a convention, um, you'll start talking to a celebrity and like 
they won't stop talking to you and you're kind of like all right i'm good but like there's no way to like walk away from it so i've had that with few people one was lisa wilcox who like kept telling me about her horror themed escape rooms like she had like a company where she's just like it's like an escape room but like inside the escape room is like a horror celebrity and like they have to help you or whatever and i was just like oh cool where is it she's like it's in la and i'm like yeah well i live in illinois so i mean like that's not good to me and she's just like yeah but you're on a website right i'm like yeah and she's like, can you promote it? And I was just like, Patrick, <laughs> I'm like, get over here. <laughs> so um, she like had me at her table for a long time, like talking about that. I remember um, I was talking to Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm movies and he wouldn't let me leave because he was talking to me about like the how good the chili is that like his wife makes at like chili cook-offs, like also in LA area. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Um, and like, it was funny because there are people like in line behind me waiting for like 40 minutes. And it was just like, no, this is a quality guy. I'm going to like continue right. talking to him. And like, I was like looking back, I'm just like, I'm sorry. I know I want to go. <laughs> so I had uh, a few months ago, I had yeah. kind, of, kind of a unique con story. Um, mm. The city I live in, Ocala, Florida, last year opened up this mega complex called the world equestrian center and it's considered to be now the world renowned horse jumping and entertainment complex in the world i mean it was a few billion they spent on this thing and i i encourage people just to google the world equestrian center in ocala it's it's incredible but it's also opened up a convention space mm-hmm. so they had a horror con there called Sp- forgive me if i'm pronounced this correct it's Ocala we live in. I think it was called Spookala. Spookala. Okay, so it was okay. okay so um, I was not going. I I I mean, I just I, I was working. I run a restaurant, and I wasn't. I wasn't. It, mm. it was. I don't want to say that I was. I wasn't even considering going because I was like, ah, I don't even really know. I, I have never really been to a con before. I I'd have to call Adam to figure out the do's and don'ts of of one of these things, and sure. so you know, and I don't know how successful it's going to be. All right. So anyway, long story short. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday deal. Friday night, my kitchen closes at nine o'clock. My bar stays open till 11 o'clock and mm-hmm. it's around 10 o'clock at night. And I am out back talking to a couple employees and one of my coworkers comes out and says, Hey, there's a guy up front. He wants to know if you'll open the kitchen back up so him and his friends can eat. And I went, mm-hmm. well, that's not how we do things. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, you know, we've been closed for an hour. The guys in the kitchen are gone. I said, that's, that's not how we do things. I said, you know, I was a little annoyed. I was like, just tell the guy, you know, sorry, can't help. You know what? I'll do it myself. So mm-hmm. I, I walked back through the kitchen, come out and I re- immediately recognized the guy. And I said, I said, you Dave Sheridan? And and he's like, yeah, I am. I said, he goes, you know who I am? I said, yeah, you're officer doofy from scary movie. I know exactly who you are. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he goes, uh, he goes, are you the guy with the podcast? And I was like, I I am. They're like, yeah, your, your co-worker was going to find you. He said, you have a podcast. What kind of podcast? Yeah. And we got talking and uh, I gave him a card for the show. He goes, can you open up the, uh, can you open up the kitchen? I said, Dave, man, I'd, I mean, I'd love to help you out. I said, but my guys are gone. I said, mm-hmm. you know, I can get you, you know, drinks, dessert, you know, anything like that. I, anything I can whip up myself. I said, but uh, you know, I, I can't do it. He goes, well, mm-hmm. come outside and meet a couple friends of mine. So I walk out there 
and he was with Felissa Rose and Thom Matthews. And, oh, nice. And I was oh. just like, it was just the two of them standing outside him, and I'm like, and Dave comes out and like, uh, guys, this is Dana, and I'm like, Felissa Rose, and she just immediately gives me a hug. She's like, how are you, sweetie? I'm like, well, you're the nicest person in the world. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I look at Thom, who is shockingly taller than I am. <laughs> I was not prepared for how tall he was, and I and he was very nice, but very reserved and very quiet. He's like, okay. he's like, very nice to meet you. And I said, uh, very nice to meet you. I said, listen, I love Jason Lives. That's like one of my favorite Friday the 13th. You know, you're amazing in that film. And yeah. and uh, he's like, thank you. Thank you so much. And Felicia's like, you know me. I'm like, sleep away, camp. Of course I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. and, and then uh, Dave again says, so now do you think you can open up the kitchen? I went, uh, uh, no, <laughs> there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do. Um they said, well, we're in town for this convention. And I said, oh, okay, yeah, no, I got it, I got it. I said, listen, the next couple of days, if you need a table, just text me, you know, blah, blah. Long story short, 7 o'clock the next day, I get a text from Dave. Hey, it's the three of us. We want to come up and have dinner at the restaurant. Can you make it happen? I said, come on. So mm-hmm. I, yep. I ended up waiting on the table, and yep. they were so nice. And... I understand there are rules about, you know, you got to typically, typically you have to pay for photos with these people, correct? Mm-hmm. Like when you're at the convention, yeah. um, but I'm waiting on them. And when it comes time for the check, I'm like, so do you guys each want your own check? Uh, one check? What's easiest for you? Like, oh, just bring us one. We're just going to throw some cash on it. So I bring the bill without getting specifics. Very, very generous tippers, I might add. Very oh, generous. Great. I uh, took care of their alcohol drinks. I said, I took care of your drinks today. Why'd you do that? I said, well, I got to be able to tell, you know, anyone that's willing to listen that I bought you guys a round of drinks one day. (laughs) And so, and then I, you know, I brought up the podcast again and Felissa has said that she'll be delighted to do the show. She's on the circuit right now. So, and and then I just asked them for a picture and, and it's up on my Instagram and they were just the nicest nicest people and it was just yeah. a, a really nice interaction and they'll be back in december because they're doing another con here and i am gonna go this year yeah one one pro tip i guess i'll give about like conventions is though the interactions you have with people like outside of them at their booth usually are even better than yeah. the ones that you'll have with them that way so like you know if they have some sort of um like meet and greets at a bar or something like that. That's part of the con. Usually like, you know, celebrities from there, they're in from out of town. They're at the hotel. They'll stop by the bar to mingle and just kind of like that. If you buy them a drink, like that's going to be a better interaction um, to kind of chat them up there. than like, if you're going to their table where like, you know, you've got a line of people behind you and everything like that. So yeah, it doesn't surprise me that, you know, when you catch them, you know, just out living their life and things like that. Like they're going to be more relaxed and like, yeah, you'll have a, a really good experience. I do have one more good con story because I forgot about that. Well, I just want to follow up by saying oh, what, sure, what the three sure. of them drank. Yeah. So if for the people out there, if you are, if you run into Thom Matthews, Dave Sheridan or Felissa Rose, like Adam said, at a bar and you want to impress them. All right. Bring Thom a Belvedere extra dirty martini with blue cheese olives okay bring felissa a nice glass of pinot grigio and bring dave sheridan a hottie toddy 
<laughs> if no, oh, if nobody, nobody's familiar with the hotty toddy, you're going to need uh, hot tea, honey, some type of bourbon. It varies from region to region in America. So just if you want to give anybody a little little advice there if they want to buy them a drink. Nice. Uh, and if you bump into Robert England, lots of wine. Yes. He drinks he drinks wine. Um, so I was at a convention last November and Alice Cooper was there oh, and he had like no line. It was kind of great. It yeah. was weird. Um, so I go, I had like, I had nothing for him to sign. So like, I was just like, well, he was in Freddy's dead. I'll get a Freddy's dead, like mini poster. So I went to another table and bought one and then walked up to his table. And it was, um, kind of like a big, you know, table. So like you were, it was almost like in, um, Batman when like Bruce and Vicky are on a date and they're at the long dining room table. (laughs) That's kind of like what it felt like. So I give my money to his handler or his assistant and I was like, okay, here you go. And she's like, yeah, just walk around to like the side of him and then like give him the thing. So, so I walk like the length way and then I go up and like I walk over to him and he's got like a giant table cloth, like a paper tablecloth on his table. And it looked like he was at like an Italian restaurant where like you get like you give kids crayons so they could like draw pictures and stuff. So he's like doodling. He's like drawing like caricatures and things like that. And it's like the whole area in front of him is just like caricatures. So I got the, I got the poster. I walk up, give it, give it to him to sign and everything like that. And I didn't have a whole lot to say to him other than, you know, that, yeah, I was a fan, things like that. But I, I didn't really have a specific question. So I noticed that he was doodling and I was just like, I'm like, did you do that right there? And then he's just like, yeah, you know, just doodling. <laughs> and I was just like, it's really good. And he's just like, I don't know. I'm like, no, no, it's really good. And then like <laughs> after that happened, it was like 10 seconds. After that happened, I felt like he was like six years old and I was like his art teacher in school where I was like trying to inspire the creative but shy child. <laughs> And he's just like, I don't know. It's just like a doodle. It's not a big deal. I'm like, don't you say that about yourself. This is really nice. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. Okay. I just Right now, I'm trying to picture him. Like, I thought he was going to have some conversation with you about the history of Milwaukee. You know, which is <laughs> it's pronounced Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's so good. What a good story. Oh. Um, and then at that convention, I was in line to meet Richard Dreyfus. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, it was, it was like a line of about like, I don't know, 20 people or so. So like I'm standing there, this guy in front of me starts talking to me and he's so annoying. And like, I do all of the social cues where I'm just like, okay, like I'm taking out my phone and I'm looking at that. And I shit you not, I pretended to get a call. And then I was like, oh, sh- sorry, I got to take this. And I just jumped out of Richard Dreyfus's line to avoid the guy standing in front of me. And then I never went back to meet Richard Dreyfus. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. All right. <clears throat> All right. So, Adam. Yeah. I have not 
Actually, I've seen surprisingly more movies this year than I expected that I would have, but there are huge gaps in in what I've seen over the past, you know, six, seven months. So yeah. I know you haven't seen as many movies as you have, say, the previous year, but I'm wondering if you could talk about a few movies that you saw this year, the good, bad, you know, you know, the underrated, overrated, you know, just a few that might come to mind. Yeah, sure. Um, so there was a movie that came out in the spring that like everybody loved and some people were saying was their favorite or like the best movie they've ever seen. I heard a couple people say that and that was um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And I will preface this where I saw the movie on a Sunday morning on Painkillers not recreational. I was like <laughs> having trouble with my back. So like I saw it that way and I got to tell you, I thought it was like hot garbage and not good at all. Um, like I thought it was just like noisy and like, there's like eight scenes happening at once. And it's like, rather than kind of letting like a single scene play out, it's like they're cutting like family guy style in between like where it's like four different things, like over a minute. And it felt like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like just where it was so kind of like video game ish. Um, and it's just kind of like nullified whatever emotional impact there would be. So that kind of set the tone for like a lot of movies this year for me, where people kind of like love them and I feel on the outside looking in where I'm just like, I don't really get what you're seeing. And if I let it get to me, like it will get to me because I'm just like frustrated that people seem to be having like a much better movie year than I am. But um, I felt that way with like the Batman. I felt that way with ambulance to a certain degree. Um, somewhat with Top Gun Maverick, which is a movie I like quite a bit, but I, I, I don't love it as much as most people do. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a rough year. Like I, I think by far for me, the movie, like the only four star out of four movie for me this year is X, which is the Ty West horror movie from earlier this year. And there's going to be a, a prequel for that coming out in September called Pearl. And I'm very excited for that. Um, and I was as a Ty West fan, I was excited to see it. And it, I thought it really delivered. It's a very fun slasher movie. Um, and it's different from what he's done because his movies sort of were more serious in tone prior to this. And this one's kind of like a lot more kind of loose and comedic and uh but doesn't skimp on the the horror aspects and the suspense and everything like that so i think that movie is like really terrific um but yeah i was i i'm hoping for a strong fall because in winter because um if i were to make like a top 10 list right now of the year so far like i would have a lot of movies that are like two and a half to three stars for me at best on there i i i, I just think that um it's been a tough year just for memorable movies, let alone like great movies up to this point. I'm going to um, kind of rapid fire you a few movies here. So just, yeah, uh, and you can either say, you know, what you thought of it, 
or haven't seen it. Okay, so no. let me just um, come back here just a little bit. Okay, so ready. Here we go. Scream. It's horrible. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I it's did, over. I saw that in the theater. It was. It was. Uh, it was interesting. Okay. Okay. The Northman. Uh, that was fun. It's basically like Gladiator, Braveheart, Light. Um, I did like Viking Quidditch in the middle of the movie <laughs> for no reason. That was fun. I, I, I think it's a, a solid entertainment. Okay. The Lost City. I did not see it. Okay. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, it's cumbersome and kind of boring and I'm glad Sam Raimi's back, but I would rather see him direct any movie other than a Marvel movie. <laughs> uh, Jurassic World Dominion. I walked out of it and then my dad wanted to see it. So I had to walk back into another <laughs> show of it. I did finish it. I think it's one of the most poorly made blockbusters I've ever seen. Ooh, that's saying a lot. Yeah, it's uh, at least it's long, so that was good. Um, <laughs> oh, can I add one thing? The they just announced sure. that um, when it comes on Peacock, uh, there'll be an additional fifteen minutes added to the film. I heard about that. Yeah, um, great. <laughs> I, it's so stupid. Like, okay, I um, I was talking to Patrick about this, where he's like, "Do you blame?" Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dern, and Sam Neill for coming back. And nine times out of ten, I would be like, no, I don't blame them. It's not them responsible for the material. And, like, you know, they probably got paid really well and everything. And, like, people love them, so they should benefit from the success and the the goodwill. Um, But then he goes, do you think, do you blame them for coming back? And I just went, yes, I do. I do blame them for coming back because they're so underserved by the material. And I don't know what, like, I love Sam Neill and I saw him as recently as hunt for the wilder people. And I think he's terrific in that, but he seems like he got like a piano dropped on his head. And then they said, roll. And I'm just like, what, what is this performance? I, he seems very confused. So I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Thor, Love and Thunder. I walked out of that after 25 minutes. What 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 was the tipping point? Was it the 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 the, the humor, the the nonsense? Like what was the tipping point for you? Cuz let me ask you, so I follow that up yeah. with Thor Ragnarok. What were your thoughts on that film? So and was because the same director. I mean, did you kind of know what you were getting yourself into or was this even more out out there? So I walked out of it when they were doing, they brought back like Matt Damon and like one of the other guys doing like a reenactment of Thor. And then like Melissa McCarthy came out and I was like, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. It was sort of like when I watched Hobbs and Shaw and there were cameos by Kevin Hart and Ryan Reynolds. I'm like, you need to fucking warn people about this. Like, cause I need to have a choice that like, if you told me like, oh yeah, Thor, Love, and Thunder, Melissa McCarthy's going to show up. I'm like, no, I'm done with that part of my life. I don't need to be here for this. <laughs> so um, that was the tipping point. I had seen Thor Ragnarok. I think it's okay. Um, I know it's sort of like a beloved movie in the Marvel canon. Um, 
I think it's too clever by half for my taste. Um, I don't really like, I like Taika Waititi sometimes, like Hunt for the Wilder People and What We Do in the Shadows, I think are very funny comedies. Um, but like Jojo Rabbit and the Thor movies, I, and like his performance in Free Guy, I think also kind of like informs this. I think he's very impressed with himself. And it's like, you love yourself so much, you don't need me. Like, it's fine. I just find him kind of off-putting in a lot of ways. Uh, I hunt for wilder people, and uh, especially what we do in the shadows. I just, on a whim, just rewatched that one about a month ago. And, yeah. you know, typically when I watch stuff by myself, I might not laugh out loud as much as, like, when you're with a group of people. But I yeah. did, again, found myself just utterly laughing out loud, sitting alone on my couch. Like, I think that movie is absolutely brilliant. I don't, I don't laugh out loud like when I'm by myself on my couch either. Um, but I will say, and I remember this very vividly, the hardest I've laughed ever during a movie at home by myself was when I watched Drop Zone like two years ago. I don't know why that movie just caught me in the right moment, but I was just like, this movie's hysterical and wonderful. And, uh, yeah, Drop Zone, man. Okay, Drop Zone. Yancey Butler, Wesley Snipes. Um, I saw the that. recently arrested Gary Busey. Yes, the recently arrested. Um, I saw that in the theater. Uh, I believe there's a small small part by Malcolm Jamal Warner, uh, who plays yeah. Wesley Snipes' brother. Uh, Corin Nemec is in that yeah. movie. Um, yeah. I have seen that movie way more times than I think is healthy for any individual to to watch that film. The that entire the the entire scene where Corin Nemec's parachute won't open and Swoop yeah. does the release from his parachute and does sort of like the backflip into the dive with the music swelling up is absolutely incredible. Because, yeah. I mean, there are some green screen stuff there, but there's really, I mean, no one can take away the parachute scenes. Some of the parachute scenes in that movie are not, I mean, they're incredible. Yeah, no, they're, uh, I mean, we were truly spoiled with Terminal Velocity and Drop Zone in 94. Those are very fun, silly skydiving movies. Um, the two parts in Drop Zone that make me laugh so hard are the first time they drop Wesley Snipes out of a plane, because you expect it to be like this hero moment, but it's like, a surprise shot where he's just like sitting on the ground, like almost in like a, like a, like a crisscross apples to us like way. <laughs> and then they just drop the, the hatch like out from under him. And it's so funny. And then, um, uh, Gary Busey's bad guy death at the end where he's like flying through the front of a, of a windshield. It's just like the funniest shit I've ever seen. It's, such a fun movie oh uh, that's from an era that we'll probably never get again <laughs> so no big big budget r-rated movies with great practical stunts i miss yep. those days all right too. next one on my list here is gonna be the black phone i did see it um i think it's okay uh i know it has a lot of fans um i am personally i haven't seen the scott derrickson movie that like puts him over the top for me yet i feel like there are a lot of like nice tries in there but um i i think there's a lot of things that are strong with that movie like the performances especially are really good um my issue with it is 
there's a couple of things that I think are supernatural cheats um, where the plot can only resolve itself the way that it does because a screenwriter decided that this person can see things or this person um, will get clues from ghosts and things like that. And I, I felt like in a movie that is grounded in a lot of realism with a lot of like kid on kid child abuse and parent on child abuse and things like that. I, I, I think that it was kind of a weird, um, I don't know. It, they just didn't mesh very well. Gotcha. And the thing that took me out of the movie the most was just, I, I'm like, these are all plot convenience shortcuts that you're taking. Okay. Uh, next one on the list is going to be Lightyear. Uh, yeah, that movie is boring as fuck. Um, I could not believe how little reason for it to exist there was once I was watching it. Cause I, I mean, like it's a convoluted concept of a movie where they're just like, this is Andy from Toy Story's favorite movie from 1995. And that's why he asked for Buzz Lightyear as a toy in Toy Story for Christmas. And it's like, okay, whatever, you know, you're kind of like, it's a sweaty premise, but um, I, w after watching that movie, I have no idea in the year of our Lord of Casper <laughs> fucking bushwhacked free Willy Two, Batman forever Congo mortal Kombat, uh, the Indian in the cupboard. How could that be that kid's favorite movie from 1995? <laughs> like it makes empirically no fucking sense whatsoever. Um, because Lightyear is boring. There's like nothing going on in that movie. It's like watching just, I don't know. It's just really uninspired. And the fact that it's almost funny, like the fact that Andy's just like, yep, that's the one. I'm like, no, did you see any other 1995 movies? I'm just when you said started naming off some of the movies, I was starting to think of what the toys would have been if his favorite movie had been Congo. Oh God! <laughs> we would have had Amy, Amy Congo the gorilla. Toys. We would have had yeah. Amy the gorilla in Toy Story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go on eBay while we're talking and see what the Congo toys were. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, like I would buy like a pop vinyl like Herkimer Homoka. Like, come on. <laughs> Or like Monroe Kelly by Ernie Hudson. I mean, come on. But yeah, Amy, you want a green drop drink? <laughs> like Buzz didn't want green drop drink. I just want to say that I was swept up. Let's see. I, I was 15 when Jurassic Park came out. I obviously loved that film. Well, uh, openly admit, didn't really know who Michael Crichton was. I mean, just what? Just I wasn't into reading books. But I certainly knew his name after that movie came out. And so when they started the marketing campaign for Congo in uh, late 94, early 95, yeah. and it was like, from Michael Crichton, writer of Jurassic Park, the Andromeda strain. And, you know, I was just like, oh, shit, we're in. I'm in. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking. And then when I actually saw the movie, I just kind of was confused from beginning to end on that <laughs> film. And I need it. I really need to revisit the movie because it just wasn't sold to me. They sold me a bill of goods that wasn't the product that I ordered. See, for me, it was like love at first sight. I thought it was the greatest thing. Like, I, I, I was way more comedic than I expected expected it to be. But um, 
Okay, so yeah, you can get a Peter Elliott action figure, um, a Karen Ross action figure, Amy the Gorilla. There are Amy the Gorilla plush toys. <laughs> you could get Congo promotional watches. Um, the plush toy is pretty funny because it's like, uh, what should I call it? One comes with a butterfly attachment, like so you could put like the butterfly on Amy's shoulder. Um, one, it's Congo the movie, Amy Gorilla Kenner, 1995 plush toy, rare, pre-owned, good condition, $135. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I think we should, on our next episode, it should be a video, and it's just us playing with Congo toys. <laughs> Done. Let's make that happen. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. The next one I wrote down, and I, I kind of want there to kind of be a pattern here that sure. most, most of the ones I'm asking you about, I haven't seen. I did see the Lost City, you know, but okay. uh, most of these ones. How was that? Um, it was fine. Made me want to watch *Romancing the Stone*. You know, yeah. you know, which is, um, it, it's the jewel of the Nile of uh, to to rant, *Romancing the Stone*, if you will. Okay. I mean, yeah. it was fine. Mm -hmm. uh, next one on my list is uh, *Uncharted*. Now, I asked this question twofold. Number one, because I've been an Xbox guy my entire life. Mm -hmm. I have never, in fact, played any of the Uncharted games. Um, so for me to go in to watch this, for me to go into seeing this film, it would typically be through, I'm just watching a movie. I don't know the source material. So I don't know if this movie holds up. I don't know. Your thoughts? I've never played the game and I didn't see the movie because I'm pretty much done with Mark Wahlberg and I'm really done with Tom Holland, I think. Tom Holland is hit, like I could put him on the Mount Rushmore of like this is why movies are the way that they are now because if this is what a movie star is where it's just warmed over like Michael J. Fox without the charm and humor then I'm good it's like him Dwayne Johnson Ryan Reynolds Kevin Hart like I'm just like this is why no one cares anymore <laughs> So. Interesting you bring Mark Wahlberg up because the yeah. next one I have is Father Stew. I did not see Father Stew. Okay. Once I saw Mel Gibson was in it, I was just like, okay, yep. I don't need to. You're dumb. Yep, we got you on that one. Elvis. I did see Elvis. I was surprised how much I liked it because I'm not like a Baz Luhrmann guy normally. I don't hate his movies, but like I find them kind of um, a lot. And I'm... I, I I wish they were kind of like at 50% of the pitch that they usually are. Um, there's some of that in Elvis, but I think like Austin Butler is so good as Elvis that uh, it kind of transcends the rest of the movie. And I think Tom Hanks is a really interesting bad guy in that movie because, um, you know, some people are saying like, this is the worst performance of his career and like, what is he doing and everything. But um, I've heard him in interviews say that he doesn't think that he could play villains because he's such a nice guy, like on screen and off that like it would feel inauthentic. And I think that if you're going to have him play a villain in a movie, Elvis kind of cracks how you do that. And it's, you make him, ingratiating but it's like insidious what he's up to like it's kind of nice guy as a front for like evil and um 
you know, of course the music is great and there's some really standout like performance moments. Like there's a scene where he's doing a comeback special and he sings a song and it's like, it's really like, it gives you the chills. It's like such a good scene. And then um, the scene where he does his first concert during his residency in Vegas is just like, really impressive like especially when you compare it to like rami malik's like freddie mercury live aid type of performance in bohemian rhapsody it's like you kind of feel the actor kind of like busting through into like these transcendent scenes um so i i really liked it a lot and i was surprised okay good good yeah i am um, i'm gonna be watching that one very soon so morbius I did not see it. Okay. Any plans to see it? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. 13 Lives. I did not see it. Um, I've heard good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's right there for me because it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I think if it shows up on like some top 10 lists at the end of the year, I'll take the dive. But that's another one of those movies that I kind of uh, hinted at earlier in the show where it's like, does this really exist? Because like nobody's talking about it. Yeah, it's. It, I will say because I have seen that film. Yeah, and it's one that you know I understand why they didn't put it in theaters because it's not a hot brand or an IP. So how do you sell it? Much like it's directed by Ron Howard, and much like Apollo thirteen, even though you know the outcome. Mm. This has got some of the most anxiety-inducing scenes I've ever seen in a film, and I was literally on the edge of my seat for okay. for huge swaths of the movie. It doesn't waste any time getting right into how the kids find themselves trapped in the cave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the banter between Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen does will will wear on you a little bit. Okay. But um it is. A, I thought it was an exceptional movie, and it's certainly uh, one that I would put into as of right now easily into my top ten uh, of the year. I, I was oh, good. surprised at yeah, how, how good it was. There's a recommendation. I would recommend watching the documentary "The Rescue" that came out last year, mm-hmm. which tells the story. I think that's on Disney Plus, and I would say watch the re- rescue one day, and then the next day watch this movie and. Uh, <laughs> They did. They did an excellent job. That's a strong recommendation for me. A couple more here. Prey. Yeah. Um. I need to rewatch Prey. I liked it, but I watched it at like eleven o'clock at night, and then went to sleep, and then woke up at three and watched like some more, and then went back to sleep, and then woke up at six and watched the end of it. <laughs> so like, I don't know what I kind of imagined and what i really watched but um i think that the um the uh lead actress in the movie is really strong um at anchoring the movie and the special effects are pretty good with the exception of like a couple of the animal stuff but like all the predator effects are really good and it's just kind of like a it's a unique kind of way to tell the story where it's sort of like bare bare bones and kind of more like um Oh, a throwback type of 80s type action movie, like where it's a little undercranked from where, you know, the the bombast of it would be now. Um, Definitely an improvement over The Predator from a few years ago. Um, It's a shame that it's on Hulu and not in theaters. Yeah. 
Uh, I think that director Dan Trachtenberg is really talented. And um, I, yeah, I, I would love to see more movies from him. Cause like 10 Cloverfield lanes of prey was like a six year gap. So it's kind of shocking that it took that long for him to, you know, have a follow-up lined up. Absolutely. I, uh, I really enjoyed prey. I was kind of, of course I went into it with the lowest of low expectations, especially after, sure. after the predator, which had such a good pedigree going into it. I mean, anyway, anyway, talking about yeah. Shane Black being involved with the predator, two more movies I want to talk about. Both okay. of these I have seen one has easily has one would fall under the category of one and done. I'm glad I saw the movie. I never want to see it again. Mm-hmm. but it has stuck with me. And it's a movie that for lack of a better term, fucked with me for days after I saw it. And that oh, okay. was Alex Garland's latest film men. Have you seen that film yet? I did. Yeah. Um, I thought that the first two thirds of it were pretty creepy and intriguing. And then the third act did not work for me at all. Okay. And it kind of ruined the movie to a certain degree for me. I went into it as cold as possible. I didn't okay. watch a trailer. I didn't know much about any. I didn't know anything about it. In fact, I didn't even know what time period, where it was set, anything. You know, it was mm-hmm. recommended just go in and watch it. It wasn't until maybe three quarters into the film that I realized and this minor spoiler alert that you know the one actor is playing all the different characters. Like, oh, okay. I didn't even pick because I just kept saying there's something oddly familiar about all these people because I didn't do any research into the film. Sure. And I agree with you. The first two thirds of the film are haunting. They are. I, I was getting a, a really, really uncomfortable vibe. I found it, a lot of scenes to be tense. But that third act, especially the the big third act reveal if you will, mm-hmm. the metamorphosis, if you will, yeah. was way more than I could handle. And, and, oh, okay. and I fell off, I fell off a cliff there, then and there. I said, this is, this is, I'm not ready for this. I wasn't was ready for this. Was it just the imagery of it? it, or? it well, it was, it was frankly, yes. The, the imagery was getting to me a little bit. And because I never knew this movie kept me questioning everything. And I just didn't understand or didn't realize the direction the film was going in. And I, I now looking back and doing a postmortem on my viewing of the film, mm-hmm. I, I certainly recognize the themes that he was presenting, you know, the arguments that he was making about mm. men, not all men, but certain types of men who are featured in this film. You know, you know I, I got it. I, I, I figured it out, but it was I don't do well on body horror. And sure. and that one really, really got to me at the end. I, I think that movie would maybe benefit for me from seeing it again in a few years and not having as high expectations of it as I maybe did. Because um, Annihilation, which was Alex Garland's movie right before this, I thought was incredible. And it was like my second favorite movie that year. So I did go into Men with um, not like I was expecting annihilation exactly but i i i didn't need to kind of talk myself into liking the other movie whereas with this one i needed to i was doing more mental gymnastics and not kind of like having a such a gut level reaction to it right 
Gotcha. And and I think Ex Machina is a is a fantastic film, and I really mm-hmm. really enjoyed that one. So we're gonna close out with the biggest movie of the year. You alluded to it earlier that you weren't crazy about it, but you liked it, and that's Top Gun Maverick. I'm just wondering if you could yeah. expand a little bit on your 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 viewing. You've seen it one time, uh, twice, twice now. Okay, so you, you went back and saw it a second time. Yeah. So I have made the argument yeah. that this is a old fashioned Hollywood movie, something yep. akin to the '90s, and I, I, I that 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 gives it, as you guys would call it, it gives it a bump. For me, mm-hmm. right out of the gate, yeah. and I've seen it four times now. So I, uh, oh, great. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the film. Yeah, I did too. Um, I enjoy it a lot. Like when I think back on it, um, it's like you said, it's such like a meat and potatoes type of Hollywood movie, which is, you know, it's sad that it's that rare that like you know we're almost kind of like reflecting about how special that is when something's competent. <laughs> It's, yes, um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Tom Cruise obviously like waited the right amount of time for the right script. And I, I, I think that, you know, having sort of the precedence of like Creed and some movies like that of how to do the legacy sequel, um, definitely benefited Top Gun Merrick. Um, I, I, I think the supporting characters are very likable, but I wish they were maybe a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, iconic. Because I think like sort of like the, it's sort of like a tough act to fill with like how iconic those characters from the original Top Gun have become. Um, but I think that Jennifer Connelly is, it's one of those performances where you remember how much you like that actor and it's like great to have her you know, back in a role that kind of pops this much. Um, she seems to be, she's like such an old pro, which is something that like, I've never really thought of her as before. And it's sort of like, okay, now at this stage in her career, it's like what gravitas she kind of brings to like a, a part that maybe is arguably a bit underwritten. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like a really good crowd pleaser. And it's a sequel that makes sense like to do 30 years later or 36 years later or whatever, because they could do so much more with the aerial photography and the stunt work. And they really did a tremendous job with it. Um, I, yeah, it's a, it's an exciting movie. I really enjoy how clear the mission is um, because they do the table setting of it so that when you're doing the uh and they set it up enough time with like trial runs and things like that where when it's happening in the climax you can for it's like muscle memory to you at that point you you don't have to be thinking through like you know how are they doing what they're doing and everything like that you just kind of innately know the stakes and the dangers of what they're doing and you know if they got to do this in this amount of time or they're screwed or they have to elevate at this time or they like can't hit over the peak of the mountain and things like that and i i thought that just from a storytelling perspective it was so clean um yeah that i really enjoyed that I, that's a good way to put it yeah it was definitely clean i agree um if you were asked to do if the year was over and the movies that had come out this is what you had to work with would maverick make it into your top 10 of the films you've seen this year so far it would be my top five It'd be your top five okay excellent uh, I, I think it's it's got a really good 
shot at making a top 10 by the end of the year. It's, it's just, um, I try to keep in mind, like when I'm making a top 10 list, what, what is rewatchable and what is something that I'm going to like, not be embarrassed to have on a list 10 years from now. And I, I, I think for sure, Maverick is not a one and done. It's like something that is, I, I could watch anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, listen, Adam, I, as always, appreciate you taking time. I know you got a busy schedule between, between, you know, your, your day job working for F this movie. Uh, it's go, go, go. I get that. I'm glad you're feeling better. And, oh, uh, thank you. and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to do the show and, and let's definitely do this again much sooner. <laughs> so, so it may hopefully in a few more weeks and, uh, you know, we're getting into the fall movie season and, uh, I have one question for you before we wrap this up. Bold sure. prediction. Top Gun Maverick, Avatar, Way of the Water, Worldwide. Which movie is going to make more money? How much is Top Gun up to? Uh, roughly without looking at it, it's about $1.4 Somewhere in that area, $1.4, $1.5. I think... If we're talking worldwide, I think Avatar will make more. If we're talking just domestic, I think it will be Top Gun. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I, because, um, Avatar was such like a unique phenomenon because it was the first movie to like really crack the, the 3D thing and kind of lead to like that boon for a while. Um, I don't see that happening again with the sequel, um, but I, I do think it will be really successful. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, yeah, I am, because um, it feels like a franchise that hasn't been sullied yet, <laughs> unless you count it as Jake sullied. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had a choice to carry on that franchise without him. I'm just saying, he had a choice. Yeah. <laughs> so, so. Um, all right, listen, Adam, So thanks so much. People want to catch up with your work. What's the best way they can do that? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Risky Adam, or um, you can just go to fthismovie.com, and I uh, do weekly YouTube videos, uh, columns, and uh, podcasts over there. Are the YouTube videos on a F This Movie channel, or is there a specific channel for, for them? Yeah, it's the F This Movie channel. Perfect. Um, you can find them all there. Perfect. And I will certainly have links in this episode show notes to to find Adam on Twitter, YouTube, the website. They'll all be in here. So it's just you can literally as you're speaking, as we're talking right now, you can just slide down, look at them and uh, click on the link you need. So, Adam, my friend, thank you so much. I always appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Yeah, great catching up. Thanks, Dana. Absolutely. So my name is Dana Buckler and thank you so much for listening.